0: If you have your Bible this morning, please join me in 1 John chapter 4. While I didn't use the scripture with the little guys this morning, this is the text that I got this idea from. As we read the scripture together, you'll see why I didn't focus on the words of the text with the little ones, and rather kind of summarize it as the big idea that God's people listen to God. One of the most challenging passages in the Bible right here. And so that was my effort to try and keep things as clear and as simple as. Uh, And as memorable and as helpful for our little ones But with you guys, we're going to dig a little deeper Uh, 1 John chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit But test the spirits to determine if they are from God Because many false prophets have gone out into the world Dear friends, don't be gullible Chapter 4 verse 1 How many of you know that sometimes as people of faith We can be taken advantage of? How many of you know that as people of faith, sometimes you get phone calls and opportunities uh, and questions that are not helpful? Uh, They are people who are trying to take advantage of the fact that you've made decisions of faith. They know that you've made decisions of faith and therefore you're supposed to act a certain way. And sometimes people like to take advantage of Christians because they know that we're not supposed to scream and shout or tell them to get lost in a way that's mean. And John is well aware of this, and he wants to protect his listeners. He wants to protect his readers. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus at the time that he's writing 1 John, and he's telling them, dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Also, sometimes as Christians, we get very excited about hearing from the spirit, when honestly, it's just a thought that we had. And then we decide to put God in front of it, and it can become kind of a controlling thing in the church, right? I had an idea. I had it while I was praying. I had it while I was reading my Bible. I had it while I was going for a walk. I had it while I was thinking about God. And it's a way for me to control you now. And it's from the Holy Spirit. And because you're a Christian, you're a good person, you're going to listen to me right now. And that can get really weird really fast. And some, sometimes that happens to people of faith. John says that is not the way it's supposed to be, that we are supposed to test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John is well aware that sometimes people try to take advantage of the kindness that comes from making decisions of faith, much like the decisions that we have made. Verse 2, so John's going to explain to us how to test the spirits, how to test the the thoughts of someone who's trying to say, I have heard from God. How do we discern that a person has actually heard from God or not? This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Verse 3, but every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world a pack formula that now, oh great, we just told all the false teachers how to come off as a true teacher because all they have to say is that I believe that Jesus came in the flesh and now everything I say you have to do. That's not what this is about. We have to dig a little bit deeper into what John is talking about here. What does he mean? What is the importance? What is the relativity to? Why do we care? Of all the things that John could have said, here's how you know someone is preaching or teaching or leading or directing or talking With the spirit of God in them and not in a manipulative, controlling, or potentially evil way. There's a lot of things he could have said right there, but he focuses on the fact that Jesus came in the flesh. That's where he dwells. And so what he's not giving is a rote formula that every pastor is supposed to say or every false teacher is supposed to say, and now you're supposed to trust them. This is not something that we just do didactically this is something we're supposed to dwell on, understanding that John could have said a lot right here, but he focuses that if we're to discern the truth, it has something to do with the fact that Jesus came as a human. He came in the flesh from God. He is the God man. John does not focus on Jesus' divinity. It's kind of assumed. It's kind of implied. It's kind of understood. But there's a teaching going around that Jesus hadn't actually come as a human being that that was too limiting for god that there's no way that god would have humbled himself that way so it's causing some people to stumble and so some people were preaching that jesus was just a spirit and did not come as a human being john says this is the heart of the antichrist and we need to understand why why does god care so passionately that it's reflected in his word through the apostle john that we have to that the message of Christmas is the message that discerns whether or not someone is preaching the truth or not. If you don't believe and preach and teach and understand that he was born as a baby during the time of Caesar Augustus and that he was raised in a normal typical poor Jewish household as a tradesman, as a technon, as a carpenter that you don't understand the power of the gospel. Why is the humility of Jesus Christ Core of the truth and the power of the gospel again this is a powerful passage in one of the deepest mysteries that we could possibly wrestle with and just for the sake of time i'm going to give three big ideas of why it is so important to god that his son came as an actual human being the first thought that for us to perceive god's love it's got to come from another human being for us to have the truth to Otherwise, we're just overcome with awe. We're overcome with gratitude. We're overcome with a sense of our sin. We're overcome with a lot of things in the face of a powerful God, like a volcano, like a lightning strike, like a tidal wave. But the one thing we don't understand through those forces, those representatives of power of God, is his love. We just don't. It is the heart cry of God that his creation would seek him and love him. So he came as a human. being. For us to understand God's love the best, we have to relate to a human. It's one of the ideas behind the importance of the incarnation or the humanity of Jesus Christ. The second big idea, why did Jesus come as a human? Because we need to be discipled. We need to be mentored. We need to be taught. We need someone to lead us. Paul says in Romans that the law led us forward what the law led us to was a realization of our sin, which was a trap, because now we are trapped by the sin. The more we understand the law, the more we are discipled by the law, the more we are taught by the law, the greater our sense of our own conviction is, which is the first step of the gospel, but it's also hopeless. We need a person who is the perfect embodiment of the law to teach us and to lead us, understanding that we are And We will never perfectly fulfill the law, but we are to walk in its way. Only a human can lead us in that way. Only a human can lead us. And so for us to be perfectly loved and for us to be perfectly discipled, we have to have someone like Jesus. The perfect God man. This is what John is saying. If people are teaching you a gospel that don't talk about the love of God wrapped in flesh so that you can understand it, they're a false teacher and they have something they want to sell you. If they're talking to you about the importance of the law, but they don't point you to Jesus who perfectly completed the law, they're leading you into a trap of guilt. And they want to use that guilt to manipulate you. Because there's no freedom under the law, it just bonds. The more you understand it, the more trapped you become. Until Jesus comes along as the perfect embodiment and fulfillment of the law. Anyone comes without wrapping that message in flesh, has has something to sell you or they're trying to manipulate or control you. This is what John is talking about. And finally... What's the big deal about a body? Why did God have to, why couldn't he send an angel to preach the gospel? Because we would have never understood God's love the way he wanted us to. We would have never been discipled the way he wants us to be discipled, and we needed somebody to die for us. You see, we all die for our sins. The question is, does Jesus die for our sins, or do we die for our own sins? That Nothing that has anything to do with sin can exist in the presence of a holy God. God and sin don't hang out. We have sin, we're in trouble. And so we will always be separated from God, save one thing. His perfect love manifested in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, who grew up as a human, perfectly understands what it is to be. Perfectly understands the law, perfectly fulfills the law, perfectly frees us from the demands and the guilt of the law, and then willingly gives himself to die in our place. This is a big deal about the body of Jesus. This is why John says anybody who teaches you the power of the gospel without pointing back to the actual person of Jesus is trying to control, manipulate, or uh, give you a false teaching. Gullible is not good. It's not a simple formulaic response. Oh, I believe that Jesus came in the flesh, therefore you do everything that I have to say. No, that's not it at all. It's not a simple formula. He's encouraging us to think deeply about why on earth, what is the big deal about Jesus having a body? What does it matter? And it has to do with love, it has to do with discipleship, and it has to do with the fact that we needed someone to die for us. This really ticked the devil off. Verse 4, First John chapter You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, the Antichrist, and the world, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. Why was the devil so mad? Why was the devil so irritated about the fact that Jesus came in a physical body? Because the devil was cast out of heaven. He does not exist in the spiritual realms. He exists on this planet only. Now, he is an angel, and he is a spirit being, but he is confined to this earth, and the victory of Jesus Christ took place on this earth. The devil lost home field advantage. That's why he's so irritated. This is why he has a message that's going out amongst the world, trying to convince people that Jesus never came, or that if he came, he was never actually a man, or that if he was, he was just a good teacher, he wasn't actually God. Because the fact that Jesus came as the perfect man and God deals the devil, he loses his home turf advantage. Now the battle has been brought to him, and we actually understand the love of God when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Here it takes the devil to no end. He has been conquered by a people that John refers to as little children, It has nothing to do with our the love that God has for us in our response by faith. And finally, by way of conclusion this morning, uh, verse 6, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. John does not want his readers to be deceived. He knows that they will not be able to experience the power of their salvation if they do not understand the importance of Christmas. The importance of Jesus coming as a child. Coming as a human baby. And so he gives them a couple of things that they can know about his humanity that will keep them on the straight and the narrow. And finally, John says, if people uh, will not listen to this message about Jesus Christ then we shouldn't be listening to them either. As you can come on up and help me wrap up our time together this morning. Final thought. So for us today, by way of practical application, God's people listen to God. What does it look like when we see God speak? When we see God's people listen? What does it look like for us today? If we think we have heard from Lord, and it doesn't involve loving somebody, it doesn't involve discipling somebody, or being discipled, or setting someone free from the burden of guilt, from trying to keep a bunch of laws and rules, and if it doesn't involve dying to ourselves, we probably didn't hear from the Lord. We probably had a thought during our devotion. have heard from the Lord and it doesn't involve actually loving somebody. It doesn't involve being discipled or discipling freeing from the burden of carrying the law and human expectations or dying to ourselves is probably not a word from the Lord. Why? Because that's what it looked like when Jesus came. (laughs) That's what it looked like when he came. So if he's coming to us now and speaking to us through the power of his Holy Spirit, it's going to sound the same. It's going to look the same. It's going to look loving. It's going to look like someone being set free from the demands of the law. It's going to look like we become less and he becomes more. Anytime we're attracting attention to ourselves or placing demands on somebody or acting unkindly and saying that we have a message from the Lord, I don't know. I don't see that in the text. So the practical application for us today, I guess in a word, Does it sound like something he would have to complete in order for there to be victory? Is it something that we're able to attain with our own resources or our own wisdom or our own strength? Because we don't see Jesus operating that way ever in the New Testament. One final... Mind. Test the spirits. I don't know if it's a good thought or not. So I shared it with the elders. Once we move into this building on School Street, the thought that the Lord gave me is that there are going to be teams of people prayer walking through the city and just making friends with no agenda other than just being kind. So that when someone is asked, Is there a church in town? Is there a pastor in town? Are God's people in town? idea that there'll be people from River Church, almost like we're planting a church again, all over, except it's already planted. That there would be kindness, boots on the ground, in the borough, just sharing the gospel, making friends, talking to people, not being weird. And the elders said, yeah, I mean, that sounds like something that we should be doing. We I, 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 test that. We say amen to that. That sounds about right. This morning, a man of God came to me before church and said, Josh, I heard something in prayer. That once we move into the property, there's going to be people from River Church walking the neighborhoods, praying, and not being weird. It's been tested and verified now, not just by the elders, but also separately, because why? We're all listening to God. there has been a test applied to that word from the Lord. That's not written in the scripture. That's something new. That's something for us. That's something that the Spirit is saying to us. Brothers, anyone who doesn't listen to us probably isn't listening to the Lord. If you think we're supposed to go onto that property and keep the doors closed and never visit people in the neighborhood, I'll tell you right now. You had a thought during your devotions, but it wasn't the right thought. Because that Jew city, on our feet, humble, patient, kindly, not weary. It feels like love. People are being freed from their expectations of what they think God wants for their lives. And we become less. And he becomes more. It's almost like God's Word is is coming alive. If you've never experienced that, maybe for the first time this morning you understand what it means to be a Christian. It's not obedience to a set of rules, it's a relationship with the perfect God man. And it sounds like this, Heavenly Father, I've been living with my own guilt, I've been living far from you in an unloving way. I've been making much of myself trying to cause people to like me and and it's kept me far from you. It's not satisfying, it's not working now I know it's actually sinful. Would you forgive me of my sin? I accept Jesus Christ by faith, the perfect God-man. Would you make me your child? I want to be a part of something where your word feels alive to me. And maybe it's been a while since you've heard from the Lord in prayer. I would encourage you that this is a great time. God is moving. Be faithful in our prayer. Be faithful in his word. Don't be afraid of those thoughts and ideas and images that come into your mind, but test them. Honestly, the only thing sadder than not having anything to test would be having nothing to test. Just feeling like God is not talking at all. He is talking. He would love to hear what you have to say, and He would love to listen to you, and He would love to share with you what He is doing in your life and in the life of your church. Would you join me as I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this time with our children. Thank you for their innocence. Thank you for their desire to listen to. And their wisdom, so young, to know that you are speaking to their parents. Father, I pray as moms and dads that we would love our children well, that we would make obedience easy for the ones that you've blessed us with. Heavenly Father, thank you for our River Kids workers and their faithful service week in and week out. Father, the, the seeds that they are planting in these lives will be bearing fruit for generations to come, and we're so grateful for that. Father, I pray that as we move forward, we would be ever more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. That the sense of accord in this church would be strengthened by the fact that when we pray to you during the week, we are sharing what we've heard from you together on a Sunday. It is the same thing. Father, would you give us increasing favor in town so that when the time comes that we can send teams out from our church to just be kind, to just be boots on the ground, to share your gospel, to make friends as possible, to provide healing. To, to pray with people that they would know that there is a God in eastern Connecticut, that they would know that there is a God in Grizzled, that they would know that there is a God in Jewish City because they can't avoid your kindness represented in your people. Father, we pray for that day. We ask these